0: How does a ragtag volunteer army in need of a shower somehow defeat a global superpower? Ragtag volunteer, ragtag, ragtag, ragtag group of high school kids putting on brigadin. Ragtag, 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 the ragtag fugitive fleet.
1: Hello, old friends, former roommates, uh, maybe some co-workers. I'm thinking one of my siblings and like eight other people. Whoever is out there, welcome to season two of the Ragtag Podcast. My name is Blue Moreno, and after a much-needed break, we have a ton of good stuff for you. Uh, We is me. You know, season one was crazy. Really, really took a lot out of me. I mean, after recording two 10-minute episodes, I was like, yo, you need to slow down and breathe and take at least 11 months to recuperate. Done. So, what is this millionth show I'm asking you to try? It's a toolkit for organizers and volunteers. Now, what the fuck does that mean? I don't know. But basically, we're looking at the process from the bottom up. The boots on the ground, actual boots, gonna talk to a lot of footwear this season, along with the women and men who lace up those kicks of salvation. I'm talking about the field directors and activists, candidates, teachers, preachers, down-ballot workhorses, a few strung out influencers, public defenders, inmates, a movie star, the professor and Marianne, and one bona fide pack-owning punk rock icon. What's up, Howie? For the past few months i've been bouncing around the country talking to these people recording some of their stories and lessons the goal the hope is to try and help channel some of our collective rage and frustration into useful power if that's even possible anymore damn you got basic human rights being snuffed out like fucking cawthorn key bumps but i'm out here looking for inspiration and broadcasting ways to make a difference For those who have money, where to spend it. For those who don't, concrete options for how to use your time efficiently and effectively. L to the F to the G, let's go. We start in North Carolina, where early voting for the May 17th Democratic primary is underway. Former State Senator Erica Smith is running for Congress in Carolina's 1st District. She's kind of like Senator Warnock if the good reverend had grown up on a farm and, you know, given birth to and raised several kids. Anyway, Erica is a badass progressive endorsed by Elizabeth Warren, Katie Porter and on and on and on. She's running neck and neck with a dude named Donald the Dark Money Darling Davis. And while she is vociferously pro-choice, Dark Money Don is no, 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 no choice. Aggressively anti-abortion, anti-Planned Parenthood. You get the idea. So. Last week, I went down to Pitt County in Tarboro, NC, to knock a few doors, see what's happening on the ground, talk to Erica for a few minutes, and catch up with her campaign manager, the wise veteran strategist Morris Katz. He's actually like nine years old and already knows more about voters and issues and politics than I ever, ever will. So now, with a tight race and votes already being cast, the single issue that separates these two candidates the most is the issue we are all talking about right now.
2: I am angry. Angry and upset? Angry and upset and determined. The United States Congress can keep Roe versus the law of the land, they just need to do it. I- I've never seen you so angry, you s- seem to be- This is what the Republicans have been working toward this day for decades. They have been out there plotting, carefully cultivating these Supreme Court justices so they could have a majority on the bench who would accomplish something that the majority of Americans do not want.
1: Damn straight. Now here's a piece of my interview with Erica Smith recorded a week before the Supreme Court bombshell dropped. A little warning, the audio quality is just, it's just god awful. I have no idea what I'm doing. Sorry about that. Enjoy Tell me what would happen if he is elected instead of you.
2: I am the only pro-choice Democrat in this race. If my Democratic opponent is elected instead of me, that will be another nail in the coffin of Roe v. Wade. He voted with Republicans on that Texas abortion bill when it was before us in the state Senate. I led the debate to block that bill. For my colleague to vote with Republicans to take away a woman's right to choose. And then before that to defund Planned Parenthood. Do you know how many high poverty women rely on Planned Parenthood for their OB gynecological care? Do you know how many families rely on Planned Parenthood? It's just devastating. When it comes to health care as a whole, I am the one who sponsored legislation to expand Medicaid. He was against it. He only became on board when he was threatened with the primary. Let's just be honest here. If a woman's right to choose is an issue for you, out of the 435 congressional races in this nation, this is ground zero for Mm -hmm. that fight. We need a champion who's going to fight for reproductive freedom.
1: It's never been more clear than just watching you for the last couple of hours how many jobs are inside the job of running for office. Call time is its own animal, then just the campaign itself. And then, God forbid, you should have a personal life, <laughs> you know, a family, a life outside of the campaign that you have to maintain to keep your sanity. And then, There's the job that you were asking this district to hire you for. Yes. How do you keep all that straight in your head? How do you balance that?
2: So you know my profession. I was an engineer for 16 years. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been an educator now for 18. I'm a minister and assistant pastor of a church in eastern North Carolina. And I was a state legislator all at the same time. And so. All at the same time. Yeah, and then add to that, I'm a mother of four sons, three of them living. I'm a new grandmother. So if you had seen me earlier today, I was on babysitting duty because I gave my son and and his wife a break. And so they went on vacation. And so Gigi had to do her job. Yes, I'm running for U.S. House, but I'm also a grandmother. I'm also fighting for the next generation. And I'm fighting for everybody's grandchildren who wants a better, stronger Eastern North Carolina. The
1: answer is you're a woman. which is why which is
2: why we do all of those jobs that are inherent in what we do and you know i look at it it's been i've had to overcome some significant obstacles and when um my five-year-old son passed away i'm telling you that floored me um that, that that floored us my entire family
1: how long ago was that
2: he died in 2012 and I was on the school board and I preached his eulogy on a Monday. On Tuesday, I got up out of my grief bed and I went and voted for President Obama and I voted for myself. I was a school board candidate. I was on the ballot. And um, then Wednesday, I, I went back to work because my students need to be prepared to be able to pass their benchmark. So when I look back on that, people are like, what makes you keep on going? It's because I know that there are people that I'm running to represent who've gone through far worse. And they have to get up every day. They have to navigate a rigged economy that is absolutely stacked up against them. I, I know people that are fellow educators and they've been paying on their school loans and they're supposed to disappear after a certain amount of years and they're still paying on their school loans. How, how, how can we have a reprieve school loan but yet people are still owing more money than they owed before. Want you should have to work four jobs just to be able to put food on the table and afford their insulin. That's what keeps me going, knowing that they need someone who can balance all of that and keep the heart of this district as our center focus. I know what it feels like not to be able to pay a bill and have to get support. My child was on Medicaid because we went bankrupt trying to afford his health care. And I had to take on a part-time job just to be able to buy the humidifiers that went over his tracheostomy. I don't want anybody else to have to go through that struggle. That's why I fight so hard.
1: I hope you could hear at least some of that, because she's amazing. Go to ericaforus.com. That's E-R-I-C-A-F-O-R-U-S.com. After the break, I will explain why your $20 donation can honestly make a difference. No bullshit. We'll be right back.
0: This episode of Ragtag is sponsored by CVS. CVS, the finest store in the world. Maybe you need Fruit Loops. Maybe you need... Maybe you need a sympathy card. Maybe you need all three. Regardless of what you need, CVS has it. Hi, I'm Michael Ian Black, beloved American comedian, author, and bon vivant, here to speak to you on behalf of my favorite store, CVS. You know, every time I go into a CVS, I get a little thrill right down my leg. And that thrill says, you're going to find what you need. Michael, maybe it's a, a box of assorted chocolates by Whitman's. Maybe it's a slip in slide. You, you walk into a CVS, you think to yourself, oh, these guys are a pharmacy. They're not going to have a slip in slide. And then you walk in and you say, hey, do you guys have slip in slides? And they say, of course we do. We're CVS. CVS they low key have everything. Now, back to the podcast.
1: Home stretch, but before I wrap this up, I want to play some of my conversation with Morris Katz, Erica's campaign manager. It turns out that while I was talking with future Congresswoman Smith, the campaign got some pretty big, pretty bad news. APAC, the Republican funded Israel-centric super PAC, swooped in to support old dark money don because, you know, Voters in rural Eastern Carolina are laser focused on tensions between Israelis and Palestinians, right? I mean nothing matters more to the poverty-stricken residents of Hobgood or Conetoe than the Gaza Strip and the Golan Heights. Oof, here's Tuesdays with Morris.
3: So about a week ago, we got a notification for an an ad buy being placed from APAC, spending in one day about $250,000 over the course of the coming five days, Um, which to put in context is more than either candidate had organically raised the previous quarter, so the previous three months, and they're going to spend that in four days. You know, it's a game-changing amount of money to be spent in an election period, let alone over the course of five days. And that was not something...
1: Frankly, that we expected. Um, we were aware that, like, APAC had endorsed Don. How did you not panic <laughs> when you get the news that someone is spending enough money that essentially supersedes anything that your ground game is doing? What were you thinking?
3: It was uh, frustrating. I it was uh, the degree that, you know, you're, you're there. I've been working for Erica now in North Carolina for almost 14 months. Uh, and in essentially 24 hours, it the almost doesn't matter. <laughs> I still, I believe that we will win, but our path to victory now also relies on outside sources coming in, you know, or our fundraising and picking up to a degree that we're going to be able to match the money that's going in. And just the degree that, you know, you can be plugging away kind of day to day and then suddenly in just like that, someone somewhere made a decision
1: and it can you know, alter a race like that. Is the only action finding someone or something that can swoop in with a similar amount of money? Is it just about money at this point?
3: I think what I believe, you know, standing here with voting starting tomorrow is we do not need the most money. We need enough money. And I think there's a big difference there (laughs) where I think we don't feel like we need to drown the airwaves 24 seven with anything. I think we just we feel like if we get our message out there, if we get Erica's story out there and if we get the truth about Don Davis out there, we win. If we're getting our message out there and making clear the contrast in this race, I believe that we can win. That's never a position you want to be in. But I do believe that we're in a unique position in this race where that's the reality. Like, you don't get to pick, um, you know, who your who your opponents are and who's going to support them, you, you know. And... Uh, I've spent hours in phone banks or text banks, like knocking doors. All of that's really important, especially right now. Like that's our path. Is like we gotta knock more doors, we've gotta make more calls. We've got cause that especially in a low turnout primary, that can counteract it. I deeply believe in year-round organizing. We cannot just show up to start knocking when there's an election, being like, Hey, voting starts tomorrow. We need your vote. Like I do I think that is not the right approach. That being said if we don't have money, nothing else matters. There's definitely a a real challenge in balancing those
1: things. (laughs) We don't need the most money. We just need enough money. 20 bucks will really help. Also, as you could hear, they could definitely use the phone bank, text bank support. So go to that website, ericaforus.com, E-R-I-C-A-F-O-R-U-S.com, and do all the podcast things, please. You know, the five star rating and the following us on Twitter and all that good shit. To my nieces, I'm sorry about all the cursing. Now, please enjoy this copyright protected music. Ragtag.